Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Now there is that which is coming upon the earth, and there is that which is here now that the church must exercise its authority over. Its destruction must be limited. Its ability to harm must be opposed. It's not a political voice. It's not a social voice. It's a spiritual voice on the inside of you. As the Word of God arises in you and faith is imparted, That authority must be exercised and released now more than ever. For if you allow him, your enemy will steal, kill, and destroy that which is most precious even in your own life. So make a decision now. I will oppose the destruction. I will oppose the death. I will oppose the confusion. Stand in your authority. Make your declaration. And all of heaven itself will back you up. You will walk in a realm of authority that you thought was never possible. As the power of God is released and the ability of God is revealed by those willing upon the earth to obey that which the Word has said and that which the Word performs on the earth. Hallelujah. But let me just say something to you also about tonight. Um... I want everyone that can to come. You say, well, Pastor, I don't, I'm not an usher or a greeter. I don't sing on the worship team. I don't, I don't work back in the sound booth. I don't work with children or youth. I want everybody that can to come. The, the dealings of the Lord in my life, I should probably write a book about it because it's very interesting. But what's one thing unique about God is you gather a few years. He can, he can take you and empower you to look back across your life and to see things that you might have not seen when you were going through those things, not to, not to understand them. I came back to the Lord in 1984, and I had missed approximately a little over 12 years of what I call the move of God in the earth. I was there for the beginning of what we call the charismatic move, which also, also carried in it a great teaching revival, what they called the Word of Faith teaching revival, where a great revelation of faith and prosperity and other things were released upon the earth, and also something else called the independent church movement, where churches outside of denominations like Island Church begin to rise up, begin to grow up. Now, just, just because of the desire to serve God, we want to be right in the middle of what God's doing. And we do not want to be exhausting our efforts trying to get God to do something He's not going to do or trying to to resurrect a move of God that that God's not in that anymore. You say, what do you mean God's not in that anymore? Well, there there are some things that God does. Let, Let me just say it like this. God has moved on from ending a great move of God, which many of you got to be in in on. As as the charismatic move kind of winded up in 19, oh, I don't know, 1998, 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, uh, you know, those things kind of begin to wind down and wind up. Now, that doesn't mean we haven't had some wonderful meetings overseas here at Island Church. We've had some wonderful times. But as far as a real move of God that really brings the lost in, touches touches the heart of God's people, 
We're not, we haven't experienced that. Now, here's what the Lord has showed me why. It's because we have stayed in that position of praying and believing God that He would resurrect something that was instead of going into something that He wants to do in this day and this hour. Now, that's a unique position to be on. Let me say it like this. I was there in the beginning of the charismatic move. Our church that we belonged to in 1961, 62, 63, 64, on up into 1973, that church was on the cutting edge of what God was fixing to do around the world. We saw great, great harvest come through uh, full gospel businessmen, women's aglow, great crusade ministries like Catherine Kuhlman, different people like that. Not only that, the missionary work around the world exploded. It absolutely exploded. Now, I believe God has moved away from a move of God that started and ran its course over into a time of preparation in which He is preparing the church for what He wants the church to do in the last of the last days. And it may not mirror what went on in the, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. It might not mirror what went on in Azusa Street. It might not mirror, but it'll carry the essence of all of that, all the rivers of God coming together at one time into one great outpouring of the Holy Ghost because God loves people. But somebody has to contend for the move of God. I remember as a child, both as a young person, the the anguish of heart. What I experienced around, our church was a traditional, uh, uh, in, in construction, our church was a traditional uh, Assembly of God church with the three big rows of seats and the big altars up front. And I was literally raised around the altar call, especially after the Wednesday night and the Sunday night service, the saints of God. We would have men on one side, the women on the other side. But one thing that impressed me most was the men of God and the women of God that would, that would lay across the altar, that would bow at the altar. And you would hear them, you would hear them weep and you would hear them, you would hear them moan and you would hear them intercede. See, God is not needing someone to resurrect something that was. God needs someone to, to, to birth what He wants to do. There's a difference. Now, I was there for the... I believe that, that, that God allowed me that period of rebellion in my life because I was there at the first and I was there at the end. I missed that middle part. I missed that middle part. I remember when I came back to the Lord I, and began to, you know, I, I had no idea that John Osteen had built a church like Lakewood. The last time I saw him, he was just a Baptist preacher uh, uh, filled with the Holy Ghost going around to full gospel businessmen meetings. I had no idea that Kenneth E. Hagin had built such a ministry as he had uh, up in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. I had no idea. I had no idea. And so I got to kind of drink of the, of the, of the, of the last uh, wine of that great move of God in our own ministry where we saw signs and wonders and miracles and churches enhanced and churches blessed and all that God was doing in that independent church movement. But I'm going to tell you something. Times has changed. I read a, I read a and I'll get to the message here in just a moment. I read, a, I read a, a thing the other day about a preacher in Pennsylvania. And he pastored a little church in a country town. And he loved God with all of his heart. And in about 1962 or 63, he prayed this prayer. Lord, is, is this all there is? Is this all there is? He says, if this is all there is, then there's not much to it. And he began to weep. He began to cry. He began to intercede. He began to pray. And as he began to seek God over a period of months, God led him to New York City. And he went to New York City, 
And the first thing he tried to do was try to, he went into a really rough area of New York City where there's a lot of heroin addiction. And what was going on at that time is they were advertising, the dealers on the street were advertising uh, a heroin that could kill you. And everybody wanted it. Because, oh, that's the good stuff. That's the good. And so that so alarmed him. And he tried to win this, this, this individual, begin to talk to him, begin to testify to him. And the person actually physically assaulted him. And he said he walked over to a bench and sat down by this bench. And he said, I wept till I couldn't weep no more. And he said, when I did that, God dropped something in my heart. He said, the next day I walked up to a heroin dealer who was standing on the side of the road, standing on the road right there. And he said, I began to tell him about Jesus. He says, I began to tell him about Jesus. He whipped out a switchblade and began to cut the buttons off my coat. He said, I was there dressed as a, as a pastor, as a denominational Pentecostal pastor. He said, the individual began to just take and kind of smirk at me as he took that switchblade and began to cut the buttons off my coat. He said, as he did that, the compassion of God fell into me and I began to weep. And next thing you know, that drug addict's on his knees. That was Nicky Cruz. And the, and the preacher was David Wilkerson. And he prayed in a move of God. And he prayed in Teen Challenge. But it, listen, it wasn't, you know, we, 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 we shout and we run and we laugh and we call that a move of God. But when people weep, we say that's their flesh. Well, that's not true. There needs to be a time in the church... We need to look at what's going on through the eyes of God. There's such confusion out there. You can't, you can't, hardly, you can't hardly navigate. You can't, finances, you can hardly navigate it. It's, it's just so, the, the, the medical world, they tell us you have to have a vaccine or you're going to die. Or they tell us you take the vaccine, you're going to die. I mean, come on. Make up your mind. Amen? And I'm telling you, people are dropping into hell by the multitude. If you've noticed, ever since COVID 14 months ago, the death rate on the planet has increased exponentially. There is a multiplication of people dying on this planet and many of them going into a sinner's hell. And the church sitting by. The problem with the church is much of the world has gotten into the church instead of the church going into the world. But it's time for that to be reversed. And it's time for the people of God to con truly contend for the move of God and to feel the anguish and the pain of God's heart about what's going on right now, and to pray in and to believe in that which God desires to do in this day and hour. We're going to begin that process tonight in that 6.30 meeting. It's going to be more than just instructional and working on character. We're going to talk about some things that are really serious. I mean, I've, I've seen the, the, the apathy, the complacency, the excuses people have. Listen. God is looking to raise up a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. That doesn't happen from the outside in. That happens from the inside out. And there are some awesome, awesome, powerful things that God has scheduled for those that will serve Him. But it'll take, it, it'll take something to serve Him in this day and hour. But I guarantee you, if you make a decision to do that and make a decision to hear it, and then we'll go into that prayer service, we'll pray, we'll believe God. And listen, we need to pick up a passion for that which God desires to do. And however, whatever direction that takes us, we need to be, be willing to go in that direction. Because of all that's going on, what tops it all is God loves and cares about people. He is not judging them. He is not harming them in any way. There's all kinds of things that are, but it's not God. And God wants to bring His redemptive power onto the earth in such a powerful display that people know this is it. This is it. We're either in or we're out. And things will be settled and folded up in this dispensation. And Jesus will come back for His church. 
and a whole new paradigm of life is going to start for all of us. You have to understand that's literally what's happening. Amen? So be sure and come tonight. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have a great time. In your Bibles, if you will, start with 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We've been studying prosperity. It is not the will of God. We established that as we begin to teach on this. And we've only got a couple of more uh, 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 teachings and we'll wind this up and go to something else. But it is not the will of God that you suffer financially, physically, mentally upon the earth. God has God given a provision through the, through, through the redemptive work of His Son Jesus. Salvation is a complete package. And God knows... I mean, I, I just really don't know any other way to say it. God knows you need money. Amen. And in this day and hour in which what's going to happen financially around the world, I don't know. I know there are some things dawning upon the horizon, some things that are coming with all that is, I mean, you, you can pretty much mix the whole thing up socially, politically, medically, financially, and it's all kind of mixed up into one big quagmire. And out of it is going to come a reaction from the world and the world system that's only going to cause it to go into greater destruction. Amen. Our nation has suffered before great depressions, great recessions. But I believe what's looming on the horizon is even worse than that, than anything that the, that the earth or this nation has ever experienced before. You say, you really believe that? Well, it really doesn't take a scientist or a genius to figure out that you can't just print fiat money over and over and over, trillions of dollars at a time, and expect anything to remain or to retain its value as far as, as uh, uh, exchange for, for, for goods and, and services. They're, telling, they're saying to us now that, that in the summer, now this is, this is not some you know, conspiracy theory. Underground. No, no, you just go to your regular news. They'll tell you this. They're expecting the price of food to rise 76% this summer. They're talking about shortages of gasoline where some areas of our nation may not have gasoline for up to a month at a time. Amen? Oh, pastor, come on. Man, we, I could have filled up of, uh, at any of 10 to 15 filling stations I passed by on the way. Listen, it may be the way it is right now, but I guarantee you what they're forecasting is not good. And you need to understand how to prosper according to the kingdom of God because God has set up a protocol in His Word in which He will take care of us, watch over us, over us financially, and the whole world can go into bankruptcy, but God is going to bless His church in the midst of it all. Same thing is true of sickness and disease. My goodness, this, this COVID thing, you know, people say, well, COVID ain't much this and that. Well, I don't know what, you, what, what, what your opinion of it is, but I'm going to tell you one thing. It's just the beginning. And they are saying that, that it's just the beginning, that there's variances and all this kind of stuff and all this stuff that's going on. You better, you better know who your healer is. Amen. Amen? You better know who your healer is because I tell you, God will give you a revelation to stand on the front side of that instead of getting sick with it all and having to believe God for healing after you've been sick. I'd rather, I'd rather stay on the front side, resist it, and not let it get on me. Amen? Now, we looked at, we looked at tithing. Uh, we looked at, you know, we used a scripture today out of Malachi chapter 3. And as we said with all of this, 
giving, tithing, and offering, the three things that God uses in the Word of God to enhance the kingdom and enhance you financially are tithing, offering, and giving of alms or giving to the poor. Now, in our tithing, we prepare the soil. In our giving, we plant the seed. In our benevolence of giving to the poor, we lend unto the Lord. The Bible says we lend to the Lord and He'll pay us back. Listen, God always pays back real good. Amen. So you've got to understand if you get involved in what's called kingdom economics and you, and like you say, well, Pastor, uh, uh, I don't know if I can do that or not. It's not a law. It's not a legalism that's a law. It's a grace. God gives us grace to be able to give and receive, grace to tithe, grace to do all of these things. But if you don't enter into that grace, you're going to have a hard time doing it at all. But if you've entered into that grace then you need to know how to enhance that grace so that it can supernaturally affect you. Listen, every one of us in here have an ability to to earn a wage. Amen? Or maybe you're on a fixed income, or, or maybe you have a business. But we're not talking about how God touches that and blesses that. We're talking about what God does, that you, what you cannot do for yourself. You can only earn so much in a year, but God can bless you and give you exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think. Amen. You can learn to give and it'll come back to you according to, to, to Luke uh, uh, 6.38. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's supernatural. But see, so many times we resist it, not understanding that in giving, just like in worship, is an element of sacrifice. But what does sacrifice do? Every time you saw sacrifice in the Bible, there was a multiplication after the sacrifice. Now, did you find... 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me find it. Let me get my King James. I don't read it in my, in my uh, Passion Bible also. I like it in my Passion Bible. Look there in verse, look at verse 6. It says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now that's the Bible. That's the Word of God. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Cheerful giver. There we go. Now, we, we kind of touched on this last week as we, as we brought it to a conclusion, but here's, here's the key. We are conditioned by our humanity, and we are conditioned by the world system to invest our happiness and our joy and our excitement in what we receive. If I were to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes and say, look, bow your head, close your eyes. Nobody look around. If you hear some noises, don't look around. And while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, some men bring in three or four tables, and upon those tables they, they stacked big stacks of, of $100 bills, uh, $10,000. Many times uh, if you get packages from the bank, they're $10,000 packets of $100 bills. So they're stacked all on the table. A million, million and a half, $2 million worth of money stacked. And so I said, now, okay, everybody open your eyes. And everybody opens their eyes. I said, okay, now come and get whatever you want. Come and get whatever you want. Did you know pandemonium would break out over this place? You'd run over your grandma getting up here. You'd be shouting, you'd be dancing. Oh, you'd, you'd, get, you'd get in the spirit then, you know. <laughs> Come on, don't look at me so holy. You know it's true. Amen. But now in the kingdom of God says, no, that's not way, the way it is in the kingdom. The way it is in the kingdom is just the opposite. 
When it goes out, you have the joy. When it goes out, you have an expression of happiness. You want to be a hilarious or cheerful giver knowing that what you're doing is you are what? You are planting a seed or the seed of the Word of God into the good soil of your own heart and God's going to come and touch it and He's going to produce something supernatural in your life that's going to increase your ability not to just earn a wage or work a job or a business. It's going to increase your ability to receive from God something you could not produce for yourself. Amen. Now let me read it in my... Let me read it in my... I like it in the Passion Bible. Here's my point. I like that. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest. But the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundance harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. I mean, I've never had to correct someone who came into the church and they just came in, oh, ha, 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 oh, sat down during the praise. Oh, I come up, what's wrong with you? I just can't wait for the offering. <laughs> I've never had to correct anybody like that, amen. Say, what do you, what do you smoke something before you got here? You're laughing, you're, you're just giddy. I just can't wait for the offering. Oh, I just can't wait, I can't wait. I'm so happy, I'm so much joy. Amen. But that's what the Bible says. And the reason many times we don't have that attitude of hilarious generosity is because we think that in the receiving, in the getting of the money and coming up, picking up our packets of $10,000 at a time, you know, in doing that, that's where the real joy is. When God says that's not where the real joy is because that will all be used up with the spending and the need and you'll have no expectancy of anything greater than what you just received. Did you get that? But if you do something in life, I mean, just think, if, if we, this was, you know, 30 years ago and somebody walked in and said, now, you know, I'm going to buy everybody in here. I mean, you know, come stood up here, some financial guy could have said, I'm going to buy everybody in here 100 shares of, of Apple and IBM. You think, what is he buying me shares of, of, of some fruit company somewhere, you know? No, I'm going to buy everybody 100 shares of Apple, IBM, and, and you know, whatever the other big stock was. You'd have thought, well, you know, who cares? I, I need to pay my lot meal today. Amen. But then he said, what I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm not even going to let you have any of the benefits of it for 20 years. But 20 years later, you get a letter and there's the dividend and there's the principal which is produced, but you missed out on the joy of it because you had no expectancy. You just thought somebody was investing you in some fruit company somewhere. Same thing's true of the kingdom of God. That's why every time you have an opportunity to come up here and put money in those receptacles, every time you make that confession of faith, there ought to be something spring up on the inside of you that you think, oh my goodness, I have done it, I have done it, I have, I've, I have completed the power connection, I've believed in my heart, I've confessed with my mouth, I've acted on the Word of God, now all i got to do is sit back and worship God and thank Him for the return that's going to come into my life and it'll cause your expectancy to rise up and that will release the hand of God to do something spectacular in your life supernaturally 
financially. Now, look at the next scripture. The purpose, the attitude of the heart, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God, now here's the key. And God is able to make, listen to the word, all grace. Now don't get me wrong. I'm not up here saying, well, you can buy a miracle or you can buy this. or buy. You can't do that. You can't, you can't buy a miracle no more than you can buy salvation. But you can sow supernatural seed that God gives you. You can sow it into the kingdom of God and God can make what? All grace. This term is not connected to any other phrase. There's no phrase that says, and you pray and God will... God will release all grace. And you get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues and God will release all grace. Or, or you worship God in the worship service and God will release all grace. Or you praise God in the praise service and God will release... It's not there. It's not there. But in your giving, the Bible says God is able to what? Release all grace. Yeah, listen, it may not be finances. It may be your family. It may be your health. It may be your job or your business that you need what? Grace. What is grace? The ability of God working on your behalf. Yes, before you got saved, it was unmerited. But now that you're saved, your faith taps into that grace and brings it into your life. So many struggle trying to serve God because they have no grace on their life. Not quiet in here. Well, Pastor, every time I serve God, man, I end up back on the, back on the booze, back smoking weed, back doing this. Back. I, just can't, I just can't seem to... You have no grace. And what you are doing is you are frustrating the grace that got you saved, which is the unmerited favor of God, which should not be working in your life because you're now saved, but God in His mercy is still allowing that grace to just keep you alive. So you go for periods of time in which, well, I'll go to serve God. You come to the altar, pray for me, Pastor, pray that I'll serve God. Well, I'll pray for you, but there's really not a whole lot I can do. You have to make a decision to do it. And I've had a lot of people come to me and say, well, Pastor, I'll tell you, every time I get a little forward momentum in God, the devil just knocks me down, knocks me back. I end up drinking again. I end up on drugs again. Or I end up, my marriage ends up, ends up in, 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 a, in a crisis. This happens, that happens. You're, you're frustrating the grace that you do have, and you're not appropriating the grace that you need. And that grace comes how? Through giving. See, people don't like to hear that because when you talk about giving, you're talking about a challenge in their life because it is your life's work. It is giving your time. What is your life? It's the time that you have on the earth and you take and you trade that time for a wage or a business or something that produces income in your life. Then you come to the church and some preacher gets up and says, well, you need to give your money, but they don't explain the dynamic of what's going on in the giving of your money. So you get frustrated when nothing happens. Well, I've given, Pastor. I've tithed, I've offered. I ain't, ain't nothing happened yet. Well, that, then we have to get over on the faith side of it and show you how faith works. But in the midst of it, your giving will produce a grace. God can make all grace. You may need grace for your children. You know, Lee and I were really touched by the ministry of Dr. Oral Roberts. And he told us a testimony. It's pretty, pretty amazing. And he had gotten, I, I don't know if he had a seizure he said uh, uh, it was a demonic attack. I believe anything that's, a, you know, of sickness and disease is demonic. But whatever it is, 
he was, he was asleep in bed. And then next thing he knows, he's on the floor. Next thing he knows, he's in the bathroom. And whatever was going on, he slung himself against the, uh, against the toilet in the bathroom and broke it into a thousand pieces and ended up in the hospital. Just He had a big gash on his head. He was all just beat up, all bruised and everything. And this is when he was in his, his, his early 80s. He wasn't a young man. And he's in a coma for three days. He woke up, his wife was sitting by the bed. This is what he said. He said, get your Bible. He said, read Psalms 91. Now the doctors told him you'll never get out of the bed. He says, what's happened to you is you're, 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 you'll die in a few days. He told his wife, he said, take, take the Bible, read Psalms 91. Just keep reading it. Just keep reading it. Then he said this, and he, he had a, a certain account with a bunch of money. He said, take that money and you sow it. And he named a ministry. And three days later, he walked out of that hospital because he appropriated a grace. He appropriated a grace. And a lot of times we think, well, giving is just about paying the bills of the church and giving to some missionaries doing that. In reality, it's bringing a grace into your life that's unobtainable any other way because I'm telling you, you may not even be able to judge your own heart correctly, but I'm going to tell you there's one that can judge your heart and whom you stand transparent in front of. And as we said when we first began to teach on prosperity, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Not money. You can have all the money in the world, but it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Now, real quick as we close, go to Romans chapter 8. Let me show you something. A little, little, uh, little different here. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Let me find it here. Romans 8, verse 32. King James, he that spared not. Now listen to this. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely, freely, freely give us all things? Years ago I was meditating on the scripture and the Lord spoke to me and said, I've given all things freely, but people don't receive them freely. Now notice, all things freely. Amen? Now let me, let me I like it here in the, in the I like it in the Amplified. He who did not withhold or spare even his own son gave him up for us all. Will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all the other things? Passion Bible. For God proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us, he, will, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. God is the consummate giver. In creation, He gave light to the earth. He gave order to the planet. He gave the plant world, the animal world. And then He gave the human family to the earth. Then that human family that He gave to the earth was corrupted by sin. And He lost it. And man became bankrupt. Bankrupt spiritually, separated from God. And listen, God began to look down through the portals of time and the expanses of the universe and try to figure out a way to get back what he lost. Should I raise up a massive army, a massive army of angels, and just invade the earth? I mean, there was a time in which God had to destroy the whole earth because of its wickedness. But thank God, he left one human family alive. That's why we're here today. Amen. But as he looked down, and with all of his wisdom, the Bible says he does all things after the counsel of his own will, he saw that the only way to redeem fallen man 
and create a brand new family. The family of God was to do what? To give an offering. To give an offering. So he looked around at the treasures of the universe, the continents on the earth, the vast deposits of oil and gold and silver, the beauty of space, what could be on all the planets out there. There could be a planet of, made out of solid gold or a planet that's one big diamond out there. You don't know. So he looked around for what would be, what can I give? I must, to redeem my creation, which is the reflection of my heart, I'm going to need a gift like I've never given before. What am I going to give? And you know what he gave? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So this brings us to the reality of the giver and the gift. The giver being the father, motivated by what? Not judgment. Motivated by what? For God so loved, he gave. And the Bible says if Jesus, as he allowed himself to be butchered upon that cross, he did it for the what? For the anticipation or the joy that was set before him. That means even being the gift, there was an expectancy of one day return. You say, well, what was his return? You are. You are the joy of that which God has given. You think about all down through the ages of time since the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ when he walked through the wall there in Jerusalem and there sat 11 shivering disciples and he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost from that point till yesterday or today or this morning when somebody got saved in a church service somewhere, God keeps giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. But unlike this world system who all it gives is death and destruction and pain and heartache, God keeps giving life and keeps giving more life and keeps giving more life and keeps giving more joy and keeps giving more peace and keeps giving more health and keeps giving more wealth and keeps giving more blessing to anybody who would dare to be a reflection of who he is on the earth who has a heart of a generous giver. And if you're a believer, you know this. If you've served God for any length of time at all, six weeks to 60 years, Number one area the enemy will fight you and fight you and fight you is in your giving. He'll try to talk you out of it. He'll try to get you to do it your own way. I've preached crusades in jungle clearings where there's thousands of people and never saw a manifestation of Satan. Never, no, no, no kind of demonic manifestation until you mentioned giving. I've preached over in Europe, people that had never heard the gospel like we teach it and preach it, never heard the, about the power of God, the love of God. All they knew was dead religion. And I'm telling you, you'd preach and teach and preach and people get saved and healed and signs and wonders and miracles. But as soon as you mention money and giving, that's when the devils get upset and get mad. Nothing stands closer to the human heart than the money that the individual possesses. And the problem is God does not want that money close to your heart. He wants to be close to your heart. And instead of just taking it from you and saying, now serve me in poverty, now serve me. You know, we talk about being abound, being abased. The Bible says he'll make all grace abound towards you so that you having all sufficiency in all things. 
That means there may be a time when you're abased, but there should come a time when you have all sufficiency in all things and can abound to every good work. Instead of just struggling and worrying about money and worrying about how I'm going to pay the bills. You think that's going to, you think that's going to lessen in the days ahead because somebody sends you a $1,400 check? We need to wake up and realize connected to what God wants to do in the earth is the generous heart of the believer that is the reflection of the heart of God who gave the greatest gift that will ever be given in all the expanses of time and all the great space of the universe. Nobody gave anything greater than Jesus. As he died upon the cross, the gift of God to redeem fallen humanity, the earth shook, the sun refused to shine, it was, the most, it was the day in which the entire universe came closest to destruction. But God upheld us by His mercy and sustained us by His grace as He sowed an offering into the earth that we all are the fruit of that offering today. And every, now listen to me, every seed reproduces after its own kind. Amen. Lift your hands and thank God. Father, we thank you this morning. For the gift of Jesus. How, Father, you have given and given and given. You are the consummate, ultimate giver of the universe. And, Father, we see as the days, the dark days approach, things going on in the economy of the world, all that is transpiring and taking place, we thank you there is an assurance in you that you will not forsake us, you will not leave us, you will give us insights, ideas, concepts. And when the world is losing its wealth, the church will be blessed of God. Thank you for the confidence of that, Lord. And thank you, Father, for each and every person in here recognizing and realizing that the true gift is Jesus. And as any gift ever given, it must be received. Hallelujah. On your feet. Father, thank you so much for a wonderful day. Thank you for all the good things you're doing. Thank you, Heavenly Father. For Psalms 91, as we stand on and declare it over all the congregation, no evil befalls us, no plague comes nigh our dwelling, angels have charge over us. We declare that in our travels on the highways, airways, seaways, or railways, we thank you, Father. We're kept, protected by you. Lord, you've, all, you've given us all resources, jobs, businesses, some of us on fixed income, some of us work with investments, education, medicine, the oil field, legal profession, all kinds of resources. Father, we thank you in our efforts in these resources. We're blessed, but we're protected. No terror, no trauma, no evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. And even against the pandemics and epidemics of the world medically. We stand against them and declare our protection and our safety. Lord, you said a thousand would fall at our side, 10,000 at our right hand, but it would not come nigh us. Only with our eyes would we see the reward of the wicked. Thank you for stirring in us a fire of evangelism. Let each and every one of us realize and recognize that we are ambassadors for Christ, representatives of the kingdom of heaven, that we have a word of life in us that people need so desperately. So we thank you this week will be an answer to somebody's prayer, a miracle in somebody's life, a problem to the devil in Jesus' name. 
Lord, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward each other. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You've called us to be thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We are covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.